Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. We are going to look today, we're in a series, Living for Eternity, the uh, reality of eternity. I think all of us as believers, you know, profess that, yes, we are going to heaven because of Jesus. But I have a feeling a lot of times the reality of eternity in heaven and being with God in his kingdom forever and ever is not a motivator. We get very much caught up in this life, and which all of us do, every generation has. You know, faith is hard sometimes, but our faith is attached to a very real thing, a very real promise. And often, as we have discussed over the last few weeks, you know, the, the promise of eternity was I mean, a living hope. It was an act of hope. It, w- it was a promise that helped people get through some extremely difficult times and conditions that we really can't even relate to here in the 21st century. You know, their lives were not as our lives were. They were not blessed as we are here in America. And this is an incredible time as we see things happening that, you know, really are cause for concern just across the map that, you know, we can be, who would say it's easy to be consumed with all that's happening? I mean, it's so easy. All of us are at some level, you know. The best you can do is ignore the news, but even then you know that you're ignoring something, (laughs) But this is here. God gives us a glimpse at heaven, at eternity for a reason. And it's to pull us through. It's to recalibrate us. It's to help us understand what we are really living for. And that's hard to do in the face of present needs and desires and difficulties and, you know, responsibilities. I mean, there's life to live, but this has to be a component of our faith. It has to be something that we, we know about and we study about, we hear about and even reflect upon. And heaven, God does not give us a clear, perfect picture, but I kind of like that because he couldn't. Because we literally, in our minds, in our, in our fallen state, we cannot comprehend what heaven will really be like. And so he gives us glimpses as a source of hope. And we're going to look today, let's start with 1 Corinthians 13. And this is often, verse 4, it's often read at weddings. I've read this verse numerous times. But it's actually a picture of eternity also. And in the context of of where this is placed, Paul was writing to the church of Corinth and he was explaining to them about the different gifts and what what they're for and how to be used and how to control them and order and all all this stuff about how to serve God and serve the body and utilizing the gifts. But what he did warn the church about is like, you could have all these gifts, but if love isn't there, it's pointless. Like love is the most crucial aspect of the body of Christ because it's a reflection of his work in you. And so then we come to verse four and he says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never what? It's eternal. 
Love will eventually, you'll see, it will conquer all, but not in the context that the world is promoting it. But God's love, his perfect love. But watch what he says. But where, whether there are prophecies, which is a gift, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, godly knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Basically, what he is saying, just to clear this up, is all the things that God gives his church to be able to reveal who he is, either through you know, a prophetic word or the ability to speak you know, God's will through his scripture presently right now. And you know, whatever gifts God has given us, it's, it's meant to give a glimpse of who God is and to reveal who he is. And he's saying when God comes, when Jesus comes and we finally see him, guess what we don't need anymore? Gifts. We don't need them because he will be in our presence. We will not have any question as to who he is. It will be known fully. And so watch what he says. Now, in verse 11, he goes, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. But for now, we see in a mirror dimly. And their mirrors back then, just understand, they're not like our mirrors. It was like polished metal. So it wasn't a great reflection, but just enough to get something out of your teeth. You know, it was just enough, right? But it was a dim reflection. And so he's comparing that to what we see now of Jesus and understand, even through the utilization of the gifts, it's dim. It's not a perfect, clear picture of him yet. And so he says this, but then we will see him what? Face to face. So he goes, now I know in part, I know a little bit, but then I shall know just as I also am known by him. And now he says, abide in faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Because guess what you don't need in heaven? Faith. Don't need it. Why? Because <laughs> he's right in front of you. Guess what you don't need? Hope. Hope is based on what you don't see and don't have. It'll be fulfilled. So you don't need those. That's why he says the greatest of these is love. Why? Because that is what eternity is all about. Because that is who God is. And as we grow in love, as we are transformed and model the love of Christ, we are beginning to reflect just a little bit, not just of who God is in us, but of what our existence will be ultimately for all eternity. And we're going to get more into that in just a second. But we need to know God will be the center. Jesus, God the Father, they will be, listen to this, the center of the universe. They will be really creating what we experience in this eternal world. And at the core of that is like, it's, it's, it's love. It's like, I can't, it's, I can't even put my words, it's hard to, the pure, the purity of God's essence isn't just a feeling thing. It's, it'll be something that consumes all of heaven. Hold on. Look at this, John 4, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is what? 
See, God, it's not just an action. Love isn't just an action. It's like who he is. In that essence, who he is will permeate all of eternity. And it establishes what like the atmosphere of our existence will be. And ultimately, what you're going to see is we will become that. We will not become God, but we, are, we will be heavenly, eternal bodies that could absorb it all. Right now, we cannot because we live in a fallen world. But there, it'll be something that affects all of us and transform all of us. And it's something that will never end. So again, we need to teach about heaven because it gives us a focus and a hope that transcends what we see here. And I know there's a ton of love going on right now in this world. You see what I mean? What we're seeing is the lack of God's presence. This is the curse. This is man being separated from God. This was not God's original plan. God's original plan was that he would dwell with us, but he does not dwell with us anymore. He dwells within us through the Holy Spirit, but even that is just a guarantee and a glimpse of what is to come, right? So, 1 John 3, 2, he says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Meaning, we really don't know what this body is going to look like and be like. We can't really comprehend it in this mind of ours. But he says this, But we know that when he is revealed, Jesus Christ, we shall be like him. Not him, but we will be image bearers. We will be like him, for we shall see him as what? Perfection, love, holiness, righteousness. And that is what we will be transformed into in terms of we will reflect the king. We will reflect who he is. This is what we shall become. So if you want to know a little bit of what you're going to be like, you're going to be perfect Love, you're going to reflect who God made you to be. You're still going to have your personalities. You're going to still have what makes you unique, but ultimately you're going to be the fullness of who you are in God. I don't know what that looks like, but does it sound bad? Because ultimately that's God's desire for all of us is to be conformed into his image. He made us in his image. Look at Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, that is us, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of who? Right. So that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, Jesus walked as we could not walk, but yet he was covered in in that of what, you know, he, he was in flesh. The disciples got to see, three of the disciples got to see him transfigured up on the mount. I can't remember what mount that was, but up on the mountain, mountain transfiguration. (laughs) When he transfigured into what he really was, and it blew them away so much that Peter was like, it's good to be here. Let's not leave, right? Let's build some shacks and some tents and we'll just stay here. That's how good it was. And ultimately, as we are being conformed and transformed into the image of God, into the image of Jesus, as we walk here, the biggest mark of that is our ability to love, right? To be a a light and reflection of who God is, to bring hope to this loveless, cursed world, right? And guys, I want us to be prepared. Here's the thing. If we go through life just not really loving and it's very self-centered, like heaven's going to be a little uncomfortable (laughs) at some level. 
Because everything about heaven is about perfect love, perfect servanthood, perfect, like it's perfection. And we spend so much of our life not living how we will eternally. And I'm not saying it's going to be miserable. That's just, that's just conjecture. I'm just saying. All I know is some will enter through the gates having everything burned away. All their works burned away because they weren't do, done out of the purity and knowledge of who Jesus is out of a broken heart. But they'll escape and they'll, they'll enter eternity. So the works that are done here, again, are a reflection of God's transformation upon our heart, right? Done in the spirit of like love, and we only grow in that. This is why it's a motivator. This is why it's mentioned over and over again, saying, guys, this is who God is. This is what eternity is going to be like. Start living like it now. Because <laughs> the reward of heaven is just... It, it should consume us at some level because it's eternal. To take your last breath here is to take your first breath in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's the reality for every single one of us, whether we die here or he comes back. Hopefully that's soon. No more barriers. And we, what we need to know, this is important as we're talking about heaven, what heaven's going to be like, and how he was saying, you know, face to face, what a promise, because the Jewish believer would understand that to see God face to face was to surely die. That was something that could not be experienced while here on earth, God in all his fullness. Even Moses, the great Moses, wanted to see God, and this is what God told him. And he said, please show me your glory. And then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me, and what? But you're like, but he's perfect love. How could you not live? It's too perfect. It's too good. It's too righteous. It's too holy. A sinful being cannot stand before a perfect God because he is a consuming fire and consumes all things that are not of him. So he's saying, even you, Moses, who've done some great things, can't see my face. But you will one day. And it goes on. Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So the best God could do was showing him his backside. That's the best he could do. You get a little bit, and that's what we have now. We get a little bit right now. But it's not the fullness it's not the face-to-face reality of a God who face-to-face will transform you when it's in its proper time. When we have bodies, eternal bodies, that can receive the knowledge. Because I think now, pure conjecture, we would be so aware of our sin and our unholiness that we couldn't bear it. But when we are in the presence of God, old, all things have passed away, and there is no more curse. We are in our perfected eternal bodies. We can absorb every bit of the radiance of God and who He is. Ooh, is this exciting news? Some of you are frowning. That's just your morning face, maybe. Okay. Tell me more about this heaven. Now, watch. This is so important. 
as we understand, guys, to be in the presence of the Lord is to be transformed forever, right? We don't know what that'll totally be like. But I want to read to you. Moses, even seeing the backside of the Lord, (laughs) was transformed. But only temporarily. Watch this. Exodus 34, 29. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Wow. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. I mean, this is just a picture This was temporary, and that glory would fade away ultimately. But just being in the presence of God as Moses was in the presence of God literally transformed his appearance. Like God has an impact on who we are. His presence changes you, and we will be changed for all eternity and be in that state permanently. And here Moses just got a glimpse, and it was so much that people were afraid that did not understand who God was. You see, it was so apparent to all those around that he was transformed, and they couldn't even process it. But yet, you see, we have this hope that this is just a taste. Take your best moment with the Lord when God was so real. You felt transformed in that moment. He showed up. You declared his goodness because something miraculous. Anyone ever had a moment when God was just so real and so present and did something so amazing? And you see, that's a glimpse. That's a glimpse of his love. And we grow in that, and we hope to grow more and more in the fullness of that revelation and knowledge because it keeps us going. And here's the thing. If we continue to grow in those types of revelations, if we tend, it, it can continue to be grown up in the fullness of him, you see, I think you get more and more excited for heaven. But if God is empty to you right now, You see, if God is distant, if you haven't had an experience of God in your life where you really felt transformed, maybe your skin wasn't shining, but yet you felt this new, this promise isn't going to do much for you. See, this promise is meant to root us in what our life is about right now. And it's to grow more and more in the knowledge of him, right? And that we learn to love differently because ultimately we will be in his presence and you can't escape it. It's what it's going to be like forever. And so you see, if we think about this and meditate on this and encourage each other with this reality, it helps this present reality because there's a lot of darkness. (laughs) Like this is not it. I mean, if this is as good as it gets, it ain't much. But if all we do is dwell in the darkness and not the hope of this permanent like, condition, our citizenship in heaven in, in, present, in the presence of God, you see, we lose hope. And ultimately, as we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, that transformation just in itself changes our countenance. So people may even begin to notice and begin to ask you questions. And what an answer that we could have. Now watch this. So Moses had like this God tan, right? 
when he came down. <laughs> or a sun tan. S O N, y'all, sun tan. That was free. <laughs> yeah. But this is a real thing. The power of his presence, the radiance of his presence is a real thing. And it will dictate and consume all of eternity. It will dictate new heaven and new earth. He is the, why? okay. Watch Revelation 22, verse 3. First of all, it says, and there shall be no more what? No more curse. We don't even know what that's like because the curse is so deeply ingrained into what we live in. We don't even understand how much of the curse has consumed all that we know. But it's completely gone. Satan has been defeated. The thousand-year reign has ended. This is the permanent heaven and earth, new heaven and earth. This is how it's going to be forever. No more Curse, no barrier, nothing in between you and the Lord. The perfect existence of how God intended it to be. And he says, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see what? And his name shall be on their foreheads. I mean, it's a direct reflection. It's a direct impact of being in the presence of the Son. All of us will have the name of Jesus upon our heads. We are his. And then it goes on to say, there shall be what? No night there. Why? You'll see. They need no lamp nor light for the sun of the sun. For the Lord God. This is awesome. For the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. So when it talks about, as we're going to read, when the new old heaven and old earth pass away... The old heaven is what we see. It's the first heaven. It's the sky, the blue, the night, the stars, the sun. That's going to pass away because it's no longer needed. Think about like right now, see how the sun is kind of like radiating through. But imagine like that's God's brilliance. Like there's no sun. Like it's God. Like his presence is everywhere. I, it's, I, I don't know how to totally get you guys to understand it. But you all, this is our existence. This is how we live. And God is what? Love. And watch. Let's go back to Revelation 21.1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had what? Because it was cursed. So he had to do away with the curse. And now the earth that exists and the new heaven that exists has everything to do with perfection. It has everything to do with God dwelling with his people. It has everything to do with God's presence being tangible in the middle of everything. It transforms everything. And it said, and there will be no more sea. But, like, but why? Why no more sea? It's beautiful. Because to the Jewish mind, the sea represented death. It was always associated with death. It was associated with the beast. It was associated with those that were lost in the sea and never found. It was always associated with the curse. And so whatever is associated with the curse is removed and all you're left with is perfection. And this is what awaits. 
Now watch in verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Those of you that have gotten married, what is the best part of the wedding? Seeing your bride walk down the aisle. It's like she has prepared herself, meticulously prepared herself. Where the dude's just like, where do I rent a tux? Right? It's done in an hour. We comb our hair, brush our teeth, shave. But man, the bride comes down and it blows you. That's why I love doing weddings. That's my favorite part of the wedding. And some dudes are blubbering idiots. But look at what God, John uses, you know, as an analogy. It's like, this is what God, he's like, he's prepared this perfect Jerusalem, this city where God will dwell and his people will dwell. And, he, and it's, it's prepared as a wife, as a bride for his church. You know, it's, it's for us. It's for us and him. Again, because he is perfect, he is love, and he has created this eternity because he is perfect and loves us and desires for us to live in this condition. And as he does away with all things as a result of the curse, he brings in all things that are new. And I would encourage you to read through Revelation 21 because it gives incredible, uh, in 22, it gives you incredible detail about what the city will look like. It's huge. And it mean, John tried to describe it, but it's beyond description. But yet God will dwell there and his people will dwell there as well as on the earth. And God will be the son. <laughs> perfect love. Perfect holiness. And we will reflect that. And he says this, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with who now? Wow, it's with men. And he, you want, here's God's purpose This has been his purpose from the beginning. This is it. Listen closely. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. This was God's original plan. To dwell with his creation. And that his creation, who was born in his image, would reflect who he is. This is what heaven looks like. It's a glimpse. We have no idea. Because now we are separated. But yet we have the Holy Spirit in us that testifies to his goodness, that is a guarantee of better things to come. But we are to live for that kingdom. You see? We are to live for this. We are to understand that to be be, uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is not as good as it gets, right? I mean, this world is, is, is going down the toilet, right? And I just say, let's flush it and get it over with, all right? Let's just get to heaven. Amen? No king will fix this. No governmental party will fix this. No one can bring heaven to earth but we groan and we wait and we desire the better kingdom and we grow as his, as citizens of heaven now. And we represent a different kingdom. One that is dictated by the love of God. That's a motivator. 
And then he says this, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain. Amen. (laughs) For the former things have passed away. They're gone forever. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Let's say that again. For these words are true. And who said that? God said that. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts, and we will all thirst. And he is the fountain of life. So we will constantly, what? Be receiving the life of Jesus. Remember, I came to provide eternal life. All of creation will feed off Jesus, off the Father. That's what it's like. This is what we're designed to be. This is an awesome picture. And then he goes on to say, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What a contrast, right? I mean, a complete, just opposite ends of the spectrum of experience. And as much as the fear of hell can be a motivator, let the promise of heaven be a motivator, right? And I know it's hard. I know, all right, Russ, really easy to talk about this. But you know, there comes a time when you do have to meditate on this stuff. You do have to remind yourself of the truth of what we believe, of why Jesus came, of what awaits We have to be able sometimes to step back and as much as everything is going on right now and all this stuff that is just buying for your attention and pulling for your attention is to take some time to remember what our lives are all about and where we're going to end up. And we pray that he comes back soon. But if he doesn't, guess what? As soon as you die, you're with him. So whatever, you're going to be with him. Now I want you to read something. This is so important. Revelation 1.3. This is the only place it says this in the Bible. Blessed is he who what? And reads. And those who what? The words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written in it. For the time is what? Blessed. See, God has given us a book as confusing as it is. It's a glimpse. I wish I could teach through it authoritatively and say this is exactly what it means, but nobody's been able to do that. You could kind of make sense of it, but it points to the fact that there is an end and there is an eternity and death will be swallowed up and Satan will be defeated. But most importantly, he says you will be blessed by reading it and hearing it. Why? Because it's a promise of things to come. You will be blessed by it. So we should be blessed by this knowledge today. We should be uplifted by this knowledge today. Because again, nothing out here is giving us any sort of like hope. But this blesses us. Because it's what's waiting for us. And so how we navigate through this life, we can either understand that we are blessed with a hope and blessed with a truth and blessed with an eternal place, or we can get so consumed 
in this that we lose sight of what it's really all about. You all were blessed. No matter what each of you are going through, no matter how hard it is, you are blessed. These are temporary trials, and I know they're hard, and it's not to dismiss them, but ultimately, if you do not understand what awaits, these trials can overcome you. But for those who are not overcome, and we get to be in the presence of the Lord Almighty forever and ever and ever. And as we sing and as we gather, this is just a glimpse. This is a picture of what heaven is like. And do you see why it's so important? Like the, the, the church itself should be a reflection a little bit of the kingdom. That's why he says unity is so important. But yet when you see the church so divided, you're like, what kingdom are we serving? The church should be a place that you come and you feel the difference. This is why, as yes, we have to do online stuff during this time, but ultimately it is not a substitute It is not a substitute. You have to be together. It is a spiritual transaction that happens as the saints gather and proclaim the name of Jesus and hear the word and are encouraged and blessed and encourage one another. It cannot happen through your television set. And I'm glad for it. I'm glad we are blessed by it. But ultimately, we this that has we need to get back. And I don't know what that looks like, but because the enemy has done an incredible job of taking the very essence of the church and dividing it and taking it away and isolating the saints. And they think that it's, they're doing okay because they can watch it, but that's not true. Sorry, this is a tangent. But you know, when you understand where we're going to be living for the rest of our lives in the presence of the Lord, proclaiming his praise, unified as one, you understand that the church is Jesus on earth. You see, it's 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 powerful tool. And if Satan can divide us and split us and isolate us, he's done a huge job of discouraging the body, but yet we're safe and it's okay to be safe. I'm not saying anything against that, but eventually we have to look at what's happening to the church and understand we as believers have to gather together and we pray that this pandemic can come to an end quickly so we don't have to deal with this anymore. But the enemy is using death and the fear of death to divide the church, which promises life and eternal life. Believers are isolated now. And you can listen to as many sermons as you want online, but it does not substitute gathering together. And when we have a full house, it transforms the atmosphere. We are here all the time. I testify to that. I know when certain people are here because just their presence does something to this place. It's how God created it to be. And so for believers to gather in hope, even when there's hopelessness out there, speaks something, doesn't it? It does something to your heart. And so again, this is not saying, don't take precaution, don't hear me wrong, but the enemy is doing something here. I'm sorry, he is. Churches have been divided, dispersed. That is not the will of God. I, just show me where... I, Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. And we'll get through, but ultimately, my prayer, this is a whole nother, is that people haven't got so comfortable to watching church on TV that even when everything's okay, they feel like they got it. Why? Because 
This is a piece of heaven that is so important, isn't it? This is what it's going to be like when we live for all eternity with each other. And we won't be annoyed with each other anymore because the curse is gone. And we will all sing perfectly. <laughs> but that's why it's so encouraging to see the folks here today. It is, it's the best step you could have made. And we all get to hear these words of encouragement of what awaits for us. And be encouraged as we leave. And as we shake our heads and nod and say amen, see, we're, we're confirming it together, right? And so again, I just be clear, I understand the risk. I'm not being an idiot. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, oh, come here, yeah. Come on, brother. It's Marv. You guys... You know my health situation. You know that I can't really experience COVID and probably come out okay. But I want you to be encouraged, you guys out there. I want you to be encouraged to come and be together again. Oh. We have to trust in God to deliver us from uh, the COVID. And I don't want to put a shame on anybody. But if you're being led by the Lord to come and worship God with all of us together, then please listen to uh, the Lord and come. That was awesome. Thank you, Mar. It's important. It's important. And with, we're all processing differently, you all. And this is not me putting this is how you process. We're all processing differently. But just know, sometimes the reality of heaven and understanding that your last breath here means your first breath there, sometimes that's the greater hope. And it helps you through times that might normally paralyze you. Knowing, and I, did you hear me? I'm okay. Just God can overwhelm any fear. But more importantly, it's a desire, like he said, if the, God is working on your heart, and maybe it's time to put aside the fear and trust because you feel like God is leading you to do it, you just have to obey with that, right? Why am I saying this? Because I feel it. The people, this is, it's a sad time. People are suffering. People are isolated, and they're thinking everything's okay. And we don't have a promise of when this will ever lift. You see? But what I do know is your spirit needs it. And as God leads, and as God says, it's time to go gather again, because you're needed. Listen. Just listen. And this is me navigating through this stuff, and I'm just using the word of God here as a, an encourager. Going, the most important thing is that we obey the word of God and understand that however you gather, you need to be physically together. And we will be physically with the Lord. We're not Skyping in.
But thank God for technology, and I'm glad it's blessing so many out there, and it's not a knock on anybody. But we've got to call out some some, ten, some potential tendencies that could be damaging to your spirit and to the body of Christ. And I'm here to fight for that. Amen? I didn't say any of this in first service. <laughs> yeah, glad you came to this one, right? But yeah, I haven't come up. And again, Marv, thank you for sharing. That was awesome. It encouraged so many of us. And you would be one that I would know if you weren't here. <laughs> he has been here every Sunday for the most part. There was a Sunday you're gone. We need to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> but thank you for that. The body is needed. You see? But you all, we are all in this together, whether on the other side of the screen or right here, we are all part of this body. And God is doing incredible things right now to build this body. And having that worship team shows you what God is doing. This is in the midst of pandemic and times when you're not supposed to be totally gathering, you know, limiting. And here we are. We've built this incredible worship team with teenagers and other adults. I mean, God is doing incredible things and he's bringing new faces in because God isn't limited by governmental mandates, right? See, God can still work. And that's our hope. And it's not to shake our fists at the man. It's just to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And we will navigate with wisdom how we are to navigate. But this is worth fighting for. Because if one day the government says, you can't do this, like, what do we say? We're going to do it. You see, so we have to be aware of what is true. You know, we just have to be aware. Like, where's the line? Where's the line in which we say, no, we serve God. We serve his commands. You see, we just have to know, you know, and I, I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but you're trying to figure out where is the line because the enemy is going to sneak it in. And next thing you know, everything is prohibited because it's coming. That's one thing you'll get by reading Revelation is that it's coming. There's going to be a system in which this is not allowed and everyone's going to be cheering it. So we have to be prepared to know what to fight for. And if we can't do it here, you're all invited to my basement. All right? Or someone else's basement that's bigger. You see what I mean? This will not stop. I will go to jail for this. I will go to jail for you all. I really need you to hear that. I will fight for you all. Yeah, it is. And why am I saying this? I don't know. Because heaven is worth fighting for. Heaven is worth living for. And it changes your capacity to make decisions and how you make them. This is important. Meeting together as couples and families is important. Getting together is important. We are not meant to live in isolation. Anyway, this one's broadcast. <laughs> Cops at my door when I get anyway yeah thank you let's let's pray thank you jesus for this day lord i just i hope all of us in here have been encouraged by this knowledge encouraged by the reality of heaven that there will be no more death and no more pain and no more curse but yet lord we live in a culture of death and sin and curse and it can cloud our understanding. It could cloud so much of our walk. And Lord, help us see clearly as we're inspired 
by your eternal reality. And Lord, and now I, do, I pray for those that are sick, that have gotten sick, Lord. It, it's terrible. And Lord, we're not dismissing it. And we pray for those families now. Lord, we pray for those sicknesses. And we pray that your hand be upon them, your hand of healing, Lord, that you would bring them to a quick recovery, that you would protect them, Lord. And Lord, there is a real threat, and we know that. Lord, help all of us navigate it according to your will, because it is confusing. And I understand, Lord, we understand that some people are vulnerable. And Lord, I pray that they did not hear this wrong. That they know by doing what they're doing right now is it them to do. But ultimately, Lord, help us as believers understand what your will is through all of this. That we are motivated by eternity. Motivated by your will above all other wills. Jesus, thank you for the promise of perfection and your presence face to face and that you will dwell with us for all eternity. Lord, what a thing to look forward to. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. You are our King, our Lord, and Lord, our Savior. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.